I'm Kristen Huffman, and you're listening to the Birth Discussion Podcast. I have Stacy Anderson with me tonight, and she's going to tell us her birth stories. Hi, Stacy. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I love to talk about birth. <laughs> yeah. So, tell us how your births unfolded and. Yeah, so uh, my mom actually is a retired home birth midwife, which is kind of where the idea for home birth came from. Interestingly enough, she had 10 children and none of them were home births. So it was it was later after we were all grown. And I can remember um, early on in my relationship with my husband and he was like, we're not going to be those weird people who like have babies at home and stuff. And I was like, of course not. That's so bizarre. Um, but you know, you become, you become more informed. You ask questions. Um, we had four years of infertility while we were trying to conceive. And that came from, um, that came from vaccine injury actually. So that got a lot of questions going for me about what I really wanted for my births. And so we intended to have a home birth, despite my husband's gentle misgivings. And I didn't, I didn't know at the time, I didn't think anything, I didn't have big fears or I was completely healthy. There weren't any risks or, or concerns or anything, but it went on for so long and, um, and I became fatigued and the more fatigued I got, the more scared I got. And then it was just a circle. It was just a loop of fear leading to more fear. And, um, so we actually, I made the decision to transfer. It was a non-emergency transfer to the local hospital. We actually went out of our way to go to what we were told was a more baby friendly hospital and, um, just had a really, really horrific experience from the minute we walked in until we left. Um, they kept saying over and over, you know, no prenatal care and, and they wrote it in my chart and stuff. And I'm kept repeating, I've been seeing a midwife my whole pregnancy and, um, just so many things. And, so many things. And after that experience, I knew I wanted more kids, but I was terrified. And that was a hard place for me to be since I was not initially scared. I didn't think that I had fear. And I still don't think I had fear about birth. I think I had um, self-confidence, self-worth um, things that were unrealized at the time. And so, um, we intentionally conceived nine months postpartum and I spent the entirety of that pregnancy with my daughter retraining what I allowed myself to say to myself about birth. And I just, I decided that I wasn't going to use the word pain. Pain was not allowed. I wasn't going to say it. Nobody else was going to say it. I'm not going to think it. Um, you know, I'm thinking waves or pressure or whatever. And, um, so I went from over 36 hours in labor with my firstborn, who was my smallest baby at eight pounds, um, 
to three and a half hours with my second baby. And it was just, she was nine pounds, five ounces. And it was just the most um, redemptive moment of my life when she was delivered. And I just kept thinking, everyone should have this. Everyone should be able to have unhindered birth. You should be able to have your birth on your terms, however you say it, wherever you want it. It should be this way. And then the the first few months of her life compared to his were so different. And I know that it was because of that gentle, calm entrance that she had to the world where I felt calm and in control and safe. And, you know, the lights were turned down low, all the things, the lights were down low and just all of those things. It was very peaceful and there was no one else there. Um, my husband, our toddler, and then my mom who only still midwives for her children. (laughs) Um, so, so that was so different and seeing that just my passion for unhindered birth just grew. And, um, it was several years later when I got pregnant with my largest baby and, um, I learned so much more about how mental birth is throughout his pregnancy and labor and delivery because I went to right up to, um, 42 weeks and six days with him. And I had never done that before. Both my other babies were within one day of their due date. And I just thought I'm a 40 weeker. Um, but interestingly enough, during the pregnancy, uh, well, right away, my sister also got pregnant and that was constantly in my mind. Like we were a couple weeks, just a couple weeks apart and she tended to birth early and I tended to birth late. And it was the perfect recipe for overlapping. And I just kept thinking, what will this do to our family dynamic if my mom has to choose? You know, if we if we both labor at the same time and she has to choose, that'll do something to all three of us. You know, no matter no matter who she chooses, it'll do something to her. And then to each of us and to our sister dynamic and our mother-daughter dynamic. And it was just this like weird thing. And so I didn't realize until after that I was trying to outlast her. I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just stay pregnant. She was probably doing the same. Until she's done. (laughs) (laughs) I know. She went longer than she ever had. At that time, she went, she went longer. Well, second longest. Um, Her first, I think, was longer. But she, she did go longer. And I was like. (gasps) what are we gonna do and and I went into labor almost every night for weeks because my body was ready but I was not in the headspace to allow it and and I remember we would go because he was born in March and it was still so cold um we would go to the mall and walk the mall because I was like this baby is coming it's time and that's it and we would you know, contractions would pick up all the things and then we'd come home and everything would stop. And I would just call my mom every day for the last three weeks. I think I call my mom every day crying, asking if I was an elephant. 
She was like, why would you say that? I'm like, because that's the longest gestating mammal that exists. <laughs> and it's me. And and a large part of why I was so uncomfortable was because he was so large. Um, he was uh, 10 pounds, 12 and a half ounces. And I'm not super tall. So there was a lot of baby in there. But, <laughs> but when he came, he came so quickly, you know. So looking back, I realized all that. But again... When I finally did, when my water finally broke, um, he was born in an hour and 45 minutes and I tried to still send my husband to work because I was just so frustrated. I was just in a frustrated space and we were in bed. It was 4 a.m. My water broke and I got up and went to the bathroom and like get cleaned up and all this stuff. And he, (laughs) he cleaned up the bedroom and then I came out and I laid down. I was like. We'll just go to work then, I guess, because there aren't even any contractions. And I guess the baby's never coming. <laughs> Good night. And I turned out all the lights and, like, went to bed. And he just kind of, okay, crazy lady, and went in the other room um, <laughs> to call my mom <laughs> and be like, you should you should probably come. Because I messaged her, like, on Facebook. And I was like, you don't need to hurry or anything. Nothing's happening, but it's probably today, whatever. And, um... She lived, she lived about 30 minutes away. So she did go ahead when she talked to Jonathan, she did leave and she made it 20 minutes before he was born. But same thing. Like I just went into, went into this headspace of this is a good thing. You know, every, every wave brings you closer to your baby. I'm so done being pregnant. (laughs) I want the baby to come. Um, and yeah, he was born in an hour and 45 minutes. It was great. Totally great. There was no water in the pool. And I was I was telling my husband, I, I don't like to labor in the water, which is something I learned about myself during my first labor and delivery. I really don't like it. And that was something I did wrong because I kept getting back in the birth pool because I was like, well, this is what people like. This is what helps. This is what everyone says to do. But I hated it. I could not get into a position that I felt like I could release fully in. I couldn't rest. Like I had to hold myself up in these certain positions and it wasn't working for me. Um, So then the next two, both times I was just like, "Uh, just leave me in my bed and I'll come get you when it's time, which is what I did. I came out and I'm like, the baby's coming right now and I'm getting in the water. And they're like, okay. And and my husband's going, oh, you can't. There's there's no water. And I'm just going, the baby's coming and I'm getting in the water. <laughs> and he's like, you cannot do that. And my mom is just like, just, just put her in. He's like, there is this much water <laughs> in the pool. He's like, she's been laboring for an hour. Like, there's there's no water in the pool. Should just put and there we go. And two pushes and he was out. And I remember thinking like when I first came out, I was like, wow, they really did not fill this up very nicely. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, you guys are just really slacking. I had no concept of how long it had been. <laughs> I was like, you guys are just falling down on the job. Um, so that was my, that was my third. And then I just had my last baby December of not last year, but the year before he's a little older than one. And his was, his was a little bit longer than Reese's, but, but same kind of thing. And at that point I was so excited to have my daughter here, um, because she is, she's 
she's seven, almost seven. And I think that the narrative that is constantly pushed on our daughters via movies and books and even just, just women retelling, you know, if you're, every time you're telling your birth story, if you're telling this super victim, traumatic, like pain, terror, fear kind of thing, like that's what you're teaching them to expect. And I was so excited that she was old enough. I mean, they've all always been here, but, um, she was, she was old enough to really be aware and she was super excited and super excited to have a baby sibling. And, um, she was peeking around my shoulder immediately after he was delivered. I mean, I sat down on the edge of the bed and she was like, is it my turn? Is it my turn? <laughs> like, no, sweetheart. No. And, and my husband's going, honey, the, the placenta is not out yet. You know, we talked about the placenta, like nobody else is holding her, but mama, <laughs> you know, she's like, well, when, <laughs> when will it be my turn? He's like, you're going to have to wait a bit. Everyone will wait a bit, you know, but all of those things. And like, that's the only thing she knows about birth. And, and our closest friends are, are very like-minded. And so, those are the conversations that happen around her. Those are the conversations, you know, amongst friends. Like when she talks to a lot of her little friends, they're like, oh yeah, I was there when my baby brother, my baby sister was born. And it's such a different, she's going to have such a different expectation and mindset than, you know, what we I had going into everything. This week and the girls were playing midwife. I love it. <laughs> It's so sweet. (laughs) That is so sweet. That's awesome. I love that we're teaching them to view things differently than we had to learn them and see them. So I'm so excited (laughs) for watching them grow up and experience these things in a whole different way. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So once he was here and she did finally get to hold him, how did... How did she do? She was ecstatic. Um, I, I did make her wait a bit. I am a super big, I, I do not pass the baby <laughs> even to my own, <laughs> even to my own. Um, so she, she did wait a bit, but she held on for it, man. I mean, he was born, uh, labor, he was born just after midnight. Labor started around eight something and he was born just after midnight and she waited until I was situated and we ha- had waited and cut the cord and everything. And she was just like, this is my baby. She's like, it's my baby and it's your baby. And I was like, well, what about, what about daddy? And she's like, no, <laughs> no, it's not his baby. She's like, he can help with the diapers, but that's about <laughs> it. And she still like, she, all of my kids have adjusted really well every time. We have added a new sibling. Um, it's always been very calm. And they all have different personalities. It's not like I just have calm children. You know, they're they're all their own people. And they're pretty spicy. Um, but I, I think that being there, not having the disruption of, you know, when you're super little and then all of a sudden your parents are gone for two days. And you're like, hey, what is going on? You know, and then they come back and they've got somebody new and... 
everything is different. Like when, when you don't have that disruption, I think it makes a real difference for the siblings that are already there because they, they are just excited and they still feel, they feel connected. You know, they feel connected to the baby. Both of my sons slept through the entire, um, delivery, which was probably good because my older son would probably have worried over how loud I was. Um, my daughter did not like Jonathan just got her, he got down his range, uh, protection for when he goes to the gun range. He's like, here you go. Cause she was like, it's kind of hurting my ears, you know, like her sounds are so big. <laughs> he's like, you'll be fine. And so you see her like in the corner of the, we just have like a cell phone set up. You see her in the corner of the video with just her Aww. big yellow earmuffs on. And she's just like, this is fine, you know? But even when the boys um, came downstairs in the morning, we were like, look, our baby came in the night. And they're like, wow, this is our baby. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, here we go. Another brother. So I... I really think that that makes a huge difference yeah. for siblings. When our second baby was born, he was in the NICU, so we were gone eight days for our first daughter, and she was tiny, so it was... Oh. I, I'm sure she doesn't remember any of it, but of course I did, and it was traumatic. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That, getting to see them see the baby just minutes after they're born, that is the most beautiful thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Is that experience what brought you more into oh, yeah. birth work? Definitely. Yeah. That emergency C-section, all the all the terrible things and yeah, that's why we're here telling stories so we can all yeah. heal from the things that hurt. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, your husband didn't used to want to have a home birth, but how does he feel about them now? <laughs> Um, now he tells everyone home birth is the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. And it's just absolutely hysterical to me. He's, he drives a truck. He drives a box truck for a living. And he's like, you know, I try to educate these young guys that they bring in because he's always the trainer. He's like, some of them don't even know that you're not supposed to cut the cord until it's white and stops pulsing. Did you, you know he that? could go to the he's hospital like, Did you know that there the are still... That? <laughs> I know. He's like, I just thought we were all like doing our own research now. And I thought that we understood these things. He's like, but they don't. So I let him know. I'm like, oh, you let him know. He's like, yeah. And I let him know that the best part about home birth is eating your own food. So there you go. I'm like, eat it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like food is important to me. Like that's a, but I'm like all of the, like first hands on your baby. Nobody else is it. He's like, no, it's the food. <laughs> okay. But he has, um, he has told me many, 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 many times that he is glad, um, grateful. And, and it's not just home birth. I kind of, kind of swung him away from pretty much every mainstream choice that can be made and he has expressed a lot of gratitude over the years and and just kind of said he never thought to think any different you know he's not like he's like it's not that I was like I'm pro you know the hospital and all the things he's like but I just never thought to think anything different until I was living it and 
and that first experience, um, we did deal with medical kidnapping and some violence. And, and he said after that, he's like, if I was not convinced before, absolutely. He's like, I just, I, I truly never thought that outright abuse could happen to you at the hands of medical professionals until it happened to me. He's like, I, I literally just, every time somebody would tell a story, I'd be like, well, you know, maybe you weren't clear or maybe you didn't say no, or, you know, you allowed like whatever. He's like, I had no idea that you could literally be standing there screaming and fighting and they would just overpower you and, and call in more and, and all the things that they would do. Um, it, it made it very real to him. And I know that it was infuriating to him as a man to have nothing to do. You know, they're, they're very, um, condescending in my opinion to men and fathers and just to treat them like you're just the dumb idiot that's here with her. And he doesn't feel that way right. at home. You know, he's like, this is our home. I'm the one in charge. Well, I mean, he knows I'm in charge <laughs> of the birth because it's my birth. But in terms of the, the individuals who are talking, because I'm not usually talking. I don't like to, I'm not chatty during birth. I'm not like that. Um, he knows that he's the one in charge. He knows that the midwife is, is going to honor whatever he says and asks for. You know, he's the one. He has actual things to do. He's like, I set up the birth pool. If she wants the birth pool, if she wants the ball, I get the ball. If she wants to move, I help her move. I'm the one coming in saying, you know, offering her water. I know her favorite foods and I'm making them and I'm bringing them and I'm, you know, taking care of my own kids. And it, it takes the birth away from being just, just the woman. Like only one person is experiencing it. And we're all a part of it. You know, I mean, obviously the, the birthing mother is the one doing all the work, but it's so much more, um, it's just so much more intimate and connected and, and I, I really think powerful for, for the whole family. And now, now he has that to talk about with our sons. You know, we, we have three sons and only one daughter right now. And I'm like, you know, obviously you don't get a say over what your children grow up to do anyway, but he is now charged with the task of raising these sons to support their women in autonomous birth, whatever they choose for that to be. And that's so different, you know, because literally I, I can't think of a single person off the top of my head that when they first said, you know, I think I want to try a home birth, that their husband was like, that sounds great. Let's totally do it. So like, that's what I want too. You know, it's just, but that will be, you know, we're changing that story too. I love that your husband tells people too, because as important as it is that we're talking about this, I feel like it's maybe even more important that men are talking about it because women 
aren't going to make changes if they don't feel supported in those changes. So a lot of us really value our husband's input on things and we want their approval for these things because it's their baby too and we're it's important to us. So it's hard to make those choices if they're not on board and I love that he's spreading the news with my yeah. husband. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yes. I I do too. I I agree. I mean, I was going to I am the type of person I was going to do what I was yeah. going to do and you can just get over it because I'm the one having the baby. But I know that not everyone is that way and also that just makes it harder than it needs to be. You know, when you when you should be focusing your mind and your energy on delivering your baby, you shouldn't also be having to think about, well, how is this affecting him? And, and you know, like all the dynamics of it, you want to just go into it knowing that you're united and that you are in agreement and that you're a team. I ha- had always heard my mom challenge her clients if they would have a really hesitant husband um, and stuff. And she would she would say to them, well, ask them what they're scared of. And here's what they're not allowed to say. They're not allowed to say, I'm scared that something will go wrong. You're not allowed to say that because that doesn't mean anything. What are the actual things that could go wrong? Look them up. And what is the actual percentage of time that that happens with an unhindered birth? She's like, most of them won't even go through the process of that because they don't actually care that much to be invested and to spend their time looking at it. It's just this generic, again, what we're all taught, but what if something goes wrong? And then when you ask them, well, what do you mean by that? What do you think is going to go wrong? And what type of situation does that go wrong in? You know, like, do I have the risk factors, this, that, and the other? And then they're kind of like, oh, okay. Same, same as what my husband would say. Well, I never thought to think that. You know, a lot of times when you say things like that, that is the response that you get. They don't get mad. They're just like, oh, I, okay, well, let me, let me think about it. Let me look at, I don't know. I guess, I guess I didn't really know. You know, I'm just repeating the verbiage that's provided to you via everyone else. Our thing with why he wasn't comfortable with home birth was that. We were far from the hospital. We were like 45 minutes, 50 minutes from the hospital. So, I mean, that was a legitimate fear. Like, I can't, if something goes wrong, there's not much we could do. But we just, we educated ourselves the best we could to be prepared in a situation that we wouldn't be making it to a hospital. So, it's... I don't know, there's kind of an answer for everything because there's people that have babies in the middle of Alaska, so... <laughs> and you're and doing, doing all right. right. So <laughs> I think there's some way we can prepare for every every fear that we have and we can learn. We can't be afraid where there's right. knowledge on a topic. So the more we learn, the better off we're going to do in home birth. And I think that that's my biggest thing is I want moms to take ownership over their birth and... I want them to be educated for themselves, not just hire an educated midwife. Because what if your midwife doesn't make it? What if there's a snowstorm? Like, even if she's there, if you haven't acquired that knowledge for yourself, the fear's not gone. 
you're just trusting someone else to take care of it for you. And that doesn't, right. You're still giving the away the responsibility you. and so, the autonomy, even though you're still the one, no matter what, yeah. no matter who makes the decision, you're the one that has to live with the consequence, but you're giving the responsibility of the choice away to somebody else thinking that that's better, but it's not. You're totally right. Taking ownership. So did you feel like you had a lot of encouragement to take those steps to gain knowledge since it was your mom? Or did you feel like that led you more to just trust her because she was probably more the second, um, that I I already had trust for her and I had distrust for what Western medicine had offered me. Um, in terms of my healing and in terms of fertility, um, I chose not to pursue traditional fertility treatments because of the risks and the side effects and things like that. And so I was already, already had distrust on that side and it's my mom. I trust my mom. So I just kind of, I kind of went with that and I didn't do as much educating of myself as. I could have or should have. (laughs) And, and I mean, and look at that, you know, and my first experience did not have the outcome that I wanted, you know, but, but that was still, that was still my choice and my responsibility. I'm the one who made the choice and nobody took me. Yeah. Your mom didn't. Nobody forced me to stay home home and nobody forced me to (laughs) go. You know, like when I made the decision to transfer, that was my decision. No one else's. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that we do shy away from taking ownership of our choices. Like we don't want to be responsible for what happens to us. And I, I had violence and abuse happen to me. That is not my fault. Like their actions, that, that is not my fault. Right. But it was my choice mm-hmm. to go. That was my decision. And that happened to be the outcome, the consequence of my decision. And I can choose to be a victim and be unhappy and bitter and carry that with me. Or I can choose that I take ownership of my choices. I learn from that. I grow from that. I've learned more about emotions and natural healing from all of that, from the hard things, than from, you know, the easy things. So I'm, I'm not going to be sad for that, you know, because of, of what I've gained from that and all that I have learned and gained, like you said, I'm passing to my children. So they are hopefully not going to have to go through some of the quite so difficult things that I have. They're going to start off ahead. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. If our experiences have brought value to your journey, please subscribe to be notified of our next episode. Links to any resources we mention can be found in the show notes. And as always, feel free to contact me at kristenhuffmanbirth.com.